Heaven high. Heaven high. Welcome to episode 132. Please send us an email to podcast at rumdoings.com or you can send us a lovely little tweet to at rumdoings. I noticed that somebody <laughs> did a fatuous review of us on iTunes where they pretended that we were a sports podcast. That's amusing. So I'll allow everybody to log in and um, read that. I will allow it. I, I'm going to allow people to log in and read that because I have some control. Are you getting, are you getting more generous in your in your middling years? In my dotage, I am. I'm getting generous. I'm actually allowing people to log in to Apple controlled websites now. That's really lovely. It's lovely. I'm, I'm mellowing as I as as I as I grow in stature. This is true. Can you tell me, please? Yes. Because I have to know. Mm-hmm. I'm a bashful child. Can you please tell me? Yeah, yeah. Please tell me. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. Tell me more. Is it not what you that you want me to tell you what the topic is? Yes. The topic is: isn't it about time uh, teachers stopped teaching our pupils their twisted liberal version of history? Well, that's just government policy. That's hardly a topic. That's true. It's a good point. Isn't that so just that? Russians, that's just basic... Russians, Russians, yeah. Nick, Russians. No, incorrect. They're Chechens, Chechen, very religious Chechen Muslims, which is going to make Mr. Putin very happy because Mr. Putin has been very belligerent against Chechen Muslims and until now America has been neutral and these silly little boys are now going to allow... Putin to get his way more than ever. So oh, whatever they me. were trying, whatever they were trying to achieve, they've just made a bit of a boo boo. It's very. It's. I'm so. I'm so annoyed at the Muslims. Yes, it is annoying. You were kind of. Well, you were hoping they were. They were Christians. Well, yes, absolutely. Genuinely, genuinely. Uh, it can't. Yeah. You can't do better in these situations than white Americans. No, it's always fun, like in Oklahoma. But yeah, exactly. But it's it. it I mean, in all, it just—I know it sounds facetious, but it's true. If it were, if it were white Americans, then there's a lot less hate in the world after after at the end of it all. Yes, and also Fox don't get to have a nice big orgasm. Exactly. Can you imagine Russia? It's the Ruskies and the Muslims at once. I, I did. I, 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 hope, I, I wouldn't it be nice if they were gay as well, but they can't be because they're not allowed to be. But uh, you know, if they were, they're they're they're, they're the commies and they're the Muslims at the very oh same time. Gosh. It's perfect. This morning, I looked at the news, and they just released the photos. Uh-huh. Um, and then I haven't looked at the news all day, because I've been shut away in, in, in a tiny room. Uh-huh. Um, and then I looked at it just now, and found out that it's... I mean, so, as you say, I misread. I thought it said Russians, but of course it says independence from Russia is what they're fighting for. Yeah, but um, also, but also they, it showed a genuine racism in all the hopeful people. It said, ha, ah, they're white, so they're not Muslims. So, I beg your pardon. What I was, what you I was racist really idiots. What, what I was enjoying, Muslims aren't was, allowed to be white, are they? But what I was enjoying this morning was the BBC's coverage desperately squirming around trying to even mention, because they, obviously they were just photos, they were un, unidentified at that point, mm. trying to avoid guessing their race from the blurry photos. Yes. Going, they, the two men wearing caps were well, of you know, they're any they're other situation. dangerously sexist. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean they. They and how do we know they are? Well, we we do because they their, their Facebook pages and so on have made it very clear and so forth. See, so I've weird. missed all this. It's been very exciting. I've been yeah. shot away in my little hovel. And one's been shot, yes, to death. Shot to death, and the other one's running around. Everybody, everybody in the whole of Boston has been told to stay, stay. inside. Everybody in Boston. I, you see, now I thought I heard this, and I thought, 
Aren't there people with guns running around shooting people in America all the time? Surely by this logic, everyone should always stay in their homes and never, ever leave, ever. Hmm. Right. So uh, you would have thought they would have at least shown some respect in the century that Our Lady Thatcher has ceased to be part of this mortal plane. But they didn't. They failed to recognise her funeral by doing the bombing on the same week. Yes, exactly. I think it's very disrespectful. It was, wasn't it? Did you enjoy the funeral? I didn't. I didn't watch the funeral, Nicholas, as well, you know. I, I allowed you to read some of the excerpts of the uh, of the sermon. It's interesting, this, this new regime where you're allowing some, some meagre access to websites for people. I did. Did, uh, did you enjoy the bit you read about how, how amazingly generous... I did. Uh, Exceptional. Except her, her, her outgoing love for people by... Madly telling him not to eat pate. It's <laughs> yes, literally the only positive thing he could find to say about her. Yes, people will think we're sort of making this up as some sort of cream tea joke, but it isn't. <laughs> if you actually listened to or read the sermon, the bishop said to show something like how simply selfless she was. She <laughs> gra- she was telling me about Hayek uh, and how he influenced her economic policy when she suddenly stopped, stared at me, grabbed, grabbed her hand, my and said, "Do not eat that, bishop. It's very fattening." And, and thus, that was the best thing she ever did in her whole life. I would say that was almost martyring herself there at that point. <laughs> it, it was, because think of what would have happened had she not done that. What an exception. I've changed my mind about her. Hmm. It was nice of the government to allow that uh, convicted um, gun and drug runner to come back to say goodbye. Oh, who's that? Uh, uh, Mark. Oh, right. Mm, he he tried to ferment a well. He was hired and hired some other chaps to ferment a coup in Africa. And yes, he didn't did. Succeed and he ran away. He's a lovely chap. He's a real testament to his old mum. <laughs> what about the lovely Carol and her? Callie, Carol Golly Wog Thatcher. Yes. Indeed. What a, pr- a prized pair of children. Yes. Which that generous, pate-avoiding lady raised. I, I wish I could swap Judith for Carol and Mark Thatcher. <laughs> I would say that you wouldn't even get half of one of them for a whole Judith. Yes, quite. That's true. It's, it was a very peculiar sort of event, this funeral, because it's not a monarch's funeral, so it shouldn't really been quite such a state occasion. And yet it was treated in such a peculiarly reverenced way. And when you think about how other um, prime ministers have been treated upon their shuffling off, I mean, Heath didn't get this, did he? No. uh, In the latest Private Eye, um, Macmillan was given, Thatcher gave Macmillan 45 minutes in 1987 as a send-off in the House of of Commons (laughs) for the whole debate, rather than calling people back and giving them a whole day to say how marvellous she was. I'll tell you who was very impressive, though. Um, the, the speaker, who's Burko, who, of course, is a Tory himself. Yes. Um, D- Glenda Jackson had a little rant. I don't think it was very good, but she had a little rant saying how Thatcher wasn't very nice. Mm-hmm. And then a Tory stood up and had a point of order and said that these occasions are meant to be sombre and solemn and we're meant to be uh, uh, complimentary, blah, blah, blah. And the speaker basically told them to shut up and said, not at all, this is, a, this is a motion we're debating and we can say they can say whatever they want about her as long as it's, not par- as long as it's parliamentary. Sit down. 
So I thought that that was good at least. I think he he found the whole thing a little bit odd having to recall Parliament at, at that cost just a, a week before they were going to come back anyway. Absolutely. Well, it was obviously very silly. And you know, people have made hay out of the fact that her funeral cost eleven million pounds at least out of the public purse. But really, you know, considering all she stood for, that that is significant. You know, really. Absolutely. It's the sort of thing that she surely should have disapproved of vehemently. Well, it's hard to say, isn't it? Which she, she was she was relatively self-aggrandizing, so I don't think she would have been too Yeah, but for anybody else. Oh, well, no, for anyone else, obviously, but, you know. Mm. When it, when you're a royalty, it's different. It is amazing how people these days when they talk about uh, people from the middle ground, they sort of just become vaguely disapproving at best uh, and then do the thing of saying oh well she was necessary you know we were a, we were a we were a complete basket case at the time and okay she went a bit doolally at the end but it was fine and i remember actually at school when we when we heard about her deposition in the in 91 um hmm. i said this, i'm going to get really angry i said at the time to school friends i'm going to get really angry people are already saying things like okay she went a bit crazy at the end but you know she was necessary and she did a lot of good stuff and i said actually she didn't she screwed us badly and i want to remember feeling like this because i never want to be in a position where i kind of mellow out and start having a rose tinted uh, view of her because she was terrible in so many very specific ways you know we don't need to exaggerate the full horror of uh the sort of acidic culture that she brought to this country, I don't think. No. I'm, I don't really, well, let's try go on. I, I will accept that the 1970s and the patriarchal trade unions and all the hideousness that was in this country at that time was also not pleasant. But that doesn't make what she did any the more pleasant for it, if you see what I mean. I don't even want to talk about Thatcher, it's boring. You, well, you you liked her. You had a certain yen for her, didn't you? <laughs> I don't know where... I, you've been running with this joke on, on, on I Am for quite a while, but no, I'm afraid I did not have any liking for Thatcher. She was a myth. She was a good Christian. She went to, she went she went to, to church, church sometimes. Oh, no, she went to church on Sundays and several other occasions. And maybe Christmas Day. <laughs> mm. Yes. She did. As, again, you're quoting from the funeral speech in mm. which... The uh, bishop was giving an example of how passionate her faith was. <laughs> That's what he said. And uh, to an example of this, she went to church. No, but also he gave an example of how a child wrote... <laughs> a child wrote... You, you see, you should, really should have read this because I think you would have found it fascinating. I should, I should read the whole thing. A, a, a child wrote to her and said, <laughs> Dear Prime Minister, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I'm not paraphrasing in a parodic way. This is mm-hmm. quite accurate. Dear Prime Minister, and it was about a, a four-year-old or a, six, a six-year-old or something... Um, my my daddy says that Jesus was the only perfect man who existed uh, uh, because he lived his life without making any mistakes. As far as I can tell, Prime Minister, you have never made a mistake. Uh, are you also perfect? But my daddy says only Jesus can be perfect. And she replied saying, we all make mistakes except Jesus, basically. But, you know, isn't there something awful about such a, a letter? Horrible. But it was shown how marvellous she was that she did reply to the letter to admit that uh, all mortal people make mistakes. That's extraordinary. It is extraordinary. That she would say such a thing. Mm. 
My brain's not very good today. I keep thinking of stuff to say while you're talking and then forgetting by the time you're done. Well, think of stuff now. I would like to read you the Daily Mail's headline right now, because it's one of their classics. Go on, then. The Bombers Last Stand, colon. Terrifying standoff in Boston as SWAT teams hunt teenage terrorist from Chechnya after police kill his boxer brother in running gun battle that left one officer dead. Oh, that's a very, very nice... <laughs> that's a headline. Brilliant. Is it? That's the whole then, headline, is it? That's the whole headline. The next headline is, Picture just feet from the man who killed him. Quotes, chilling image shows eight-year-old Martin standing beside Boston bomb suspect moments be- after he planted explosive. Hmm. It's really quite nasty, the website right now. I would stay away from the website at the moment. If I, there should they be an announcement. Everybody needs to stay inside and keep, <laughs> keep their copies of the Daily Mail closed. They've shunted the sidebar of shame all the way down off the front page, in fact, to have multiple uh, stories about the same thing. But surely we need glimpses of boob at times like these. Oh, if you scroll down past the main stories, you can see Cheryl Cole's, uh, Cheryl Cole's, uh, you know, a tight-fitting top with a ghost. You can see her nipples ghosted through it, and she's covered in sweat, sweaty armpits, and sweaty oh, neck. And thank it's a, not a pretty sight. Cheryl will never do a fitness DVD. Oh, thank heavens! I, for a while, I was worried that we, we we didn't have the moderator rod of sweaty nipple lady. Someone someone linked me to uh, a Daily Mail story yesterday to you know for horror mm-hmm. reasons, and I noticed in the sidebar of shame a story about Katy Perry, mm-hmm. and the story was that she was biting her nails. Was she? That was the news story. This is the news. <laughs> Katy Perry biting her nails. Here it is. I found it by the magic of of Control F. Mm-hmm. Something on your mind. Katy uh-huh. Perry chews her nails as she heads for a workout in wake of lawsuit drama. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the headline. Katy Perry has a lot on her mind, but has beside lunch, it seems. The <laughs> pop star appeared a tad nervous as she stepped out for a solo workout on Wednesday while nibbling her fingernails. Ew. Freshly returned from the Coachella Festival, Katy, 28, kept her head down and her eyes concealed behind dark shades as she strode through the parking lot, where we are paparazzis that we promised we'd never use again after Diana died. <laughs> yes, dozens of photographs of her and just happened to catch one when she was picking her teeth. Yes, which, of course, nobody ever does, so they were so lucky to catch that. The hot and cold singer still managed to look slender in her black leggings and white tank t-shirt. What do you mean, still managed to what? Even whilst biting her highly calorific fingernails, <laughs> she managed to... <laughs> oh, that's Over very good. A... It's, hor- it's horrible. Her jet black hair was pulled into a tight ponytail. Bizarrely, you can see in the pictures. No, it's not that tight. No. And she wore no visible makeup on her porcelain pale complexion. Hmm. Oh, the, talking about food and biting nails. I, you know, I, every month I come on and, and debunk the latest uh, meat will kill you nonsense. That's right. That's what you're, uh, primarily why I bring you onto the podcast. Exactly. Well, the latest meat will kill you nonsense, you might remember, is that they, I, because sadly for them, all the data showing that saturated fat can cause heart disease has collapsed. They have to look for other reasons to blame meat now. And the other day, if you listen to the radio, they said that uh, the carnitine in meat converts into something called TMA, and then, which gets oxidized inside your body. And they said somehow that go, allows cholesterol to go into your artery walls and it gives you heart attacks. So this, this, this chemical called TMA, which uh, trimethyl amine. And that sounds very good. And the studies, you know, show that, yes, when you eat red meat, you do produce a little bit of TMA. What they mm-hmm. didn't say is that when you eat mackerel or cod or any seafood at all or peas 
or many other vegetables, you get thousands of times more TMA. Well, that's why we're all dead, surely. Yes, but that, that's another a very interesting sort of selective reporting. Then, yesterday, we, there was a story... Uh, why are you shuffling? What's going on? Have you died? Nick, Nick, it's all gone wrong. What, what are you doing? Nick, whatever you just said, I didn't hear it because my headphones came out because I was trying to open the door and then it fell on my head and then got tangled in the chair. I hate you so much. I wish you would die in a, in a, in a marathon. <laughs> in a Snickers. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, you might, you might have read a couple of days ago that beetroots are very good for your heart, etc., and, and bring your blood pressure down and are wonderful for you. It was on the BBC News website. Oh, I don't like beetroot. No. But what was interesting is it was a chap who uh, produces beetroot juice who had funded the study. And do you know what the chemicals... Do you know what the chemicals <laughs> were? Co- I'm sure that's just yeah. a coincidence. But, but here's what's even more fun. Do you know what the chemicals were which are being uh, hailed as heroes that are do they, this? Are they the oxygen chemicals? N- n- nitrates. Remember? Oh, really? The same chemicals that are considered big and evil and cancer-giving when they come from piggies. Drinking a cup of beetroot juice can lower blood pressure, researchers say. Yeah, and if you scroll down, look, control F nitrates, you'll see they don't even kind of have the embarrassment or the shame of admitting that they've just done a three six uh, well, one eighty. It says here, Prof. Prof. Peter Weisberg, a medical director at the British Heart Foundation, which funded the research, yeah, said yeah. it supports current advice that we should be eating plenty of green veg. Uh, hold on a moment. Beetroots are green. Yes, apparently so. It shows you this kind of this kind of everything that comes out of their mouths is just kind of platitudes. Now they're like little hymns, little prayers. Laura used to work for the British Heart Foundation. I'm glad that she had the decency to leave. Well, I think they were funding a project she was on that ended. How's Laura? She's she's sleeping right now because she's ill. What is she ill with? Just cold. (sighs) Can you stop her getting colds? Ugh! I try my best, but ugh, ugh, ugh. You know what girls are like. I do know what girls are like. terrible Ugh, they're all the same as well that's the other worst thing about them yeah how, how are girls and games at the moment they're doing all right they're Why? struggling through they find it very tricky because sometimes you have to do two different controls at once and they get all the muddle i know i heard you have a rant <laughs> are we really going to talk about it again Isn't no i know i heard you had a last episode no no i heard you had a rant on another podcast that you moonlighted on I did, I did. I've been sleeping po- around on podcasts. I did, did. I did two podcasts in that week. That and now you've, come back, you've, now you've come back and given this podcast a venereal disease. This is true, I've given you... And I'll tell you what, it didn't come from One Life Left, though. The venereal disease definitely came from, uh, from, from uh, Giant Bomb. What is it? Oh, that's unfortunate. Yes. <laughs> what is a Giant Bomb? It's a gaming website. Mm-hmm. Of some repute. I'll tell you how you can tell one major thing in the battle of the sexes, mm-hmm. where men have a real advantage. Mm-hmm. When you turn, when you get the washing out the washing machine, mm-hmm. and you turn stuff that's gone inside out back the right way round, mm-hmm. that's physically possible with men's clothing. Oh Whereas yes, all of women's clothing apparently are constructed out of Mobius strips. I was about to say Mobius strips as well. We have the same exactly. property mind. Oh. <laughs> I was doing it this afternoon, and it's impossible. It's just... I just eventually screw them in a ball, throw them in a fire. It's the only solution to get them dry. So maybe um, Laura isn't ill. You've just burnt all her clothes, and she's now naked and can't go out again. Ashamed. Too ashamed to leave the house. But that's her fault again for uh, giving Adam that fruit. Exactly. She had no no shame about her nakedness before then. No, you see, it it all comes back to their ridiculous behaviour. It really does, doesn't it? Mm. 
So, so if she's ill, there's no science today either. Nope, science has been uh, sitting close down. Well, she went to work this morning, so there was science this morning, but science came, had an early weekend. So science sort of petered out, and now there'll be no science until Monday. Until Monday morning, no more science at all. So if any more meat studies emerge this weekend, you're just going to have to accept them as fact. Yes. Excellent. Well, no, there won't be any more meat studies, because as we said, there is no more science until Laura gets back. They're not science, they're stories. <laughs> Fables. It's good to see that story still up there, though. Beetroot can lower blood pressure. It's still up there. It is. Well, can you look... Can you do... I mean, I want to make sure I'm not actually going mad. Just do a control F on nitrate. It says... Well, it says on the caption under the photo is the juice contained as much nitrate as two beetroots. I mean, yes. And nitrates are the things that that a year ago were... We were told were going to kill us. Nitrate is found naturally in soil where it is taken by, in by vegetables through their roots what, to help them grow. Yeah, yeah I know what Researcher Dr. Amrita Aluwalia, Aluwalia? Uh, racist. said, racist indeed, said we were surprised how little nitrate was needed to see such a large effect. Mm. Our hope is that increasing one's intake of vegetables with a high dietary nitrate content, such as green leafy vegetables or beetroot, might be a lifestyle approach that one could easily employ to improve cardiovascular health. Right, and the, and, 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 and the bacon that's cured with nitrates, those nitrates, the identical molecule, cancer. is going cancer. to kill us. Cancer. Yeah. It, that shows you, I mean, it is amazing. That, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this in a way that, that is to kind of distort or hype, the, or hype the incompetence of these people. That's a fact. It's the same molecule. It's incredible, the disconnect here. But there you go. What a strange world in which we live in. Rolf Harris, eh, Nick? Rolf Harris, eh? Are you surprised? <laughs> <laughs> Can you see what it is here? <laughs> yeah. Not, not, I don't know. It two, seems they're just... Two few, little boys. <laughs> if you were famous in the 80s. Maybe you just didn't have any option. But everyone, didn't everyone already know? Yeah, maybe that was, I've actually, said this before. It was like kind of to get your badge at the BBC. You had actually, to have no, evidence. I, I know what the problem is, and it Green comes teams? back to no. It comes back to nutrition exactly. In the eighties, that's when the low fat craze started, and people ah. would people would not eat any clotted cream. Oh my word! You've cracked it. I've cracked it. These so, people are innocent. They, they are. It wasn't their fault. They were nutritively deficient. Although we should say, for any lawyers listening, that Mr. 82-year-old Rolf Harris, 83 now, of course, <laughs> uh, has, not been, has not been convicted of anything, and we certainly don't know whether, they were, whether it was naughty children. Mm, yes, he could have raped an adult. Well, indeed, or he could have done, like, he naughty could have... stuff. I mean, although Judge Coxcomb, and he is a legal judge, so he wouldn't have announced this, this on his Twitter feed if it weren't the case, did announce mm-hmm. um, tie me underage boys down sport. I see. That's very clever what he's so, done there. So that does suggest that... I'll tell you what else Judge Coxcomb did. Oh, he, I don't, think we, I don't he, think we want to be liable for his <laughs> outrages. He retweeted people who were saying Ed Balls 127 times the other day. There were 127 is, retweets of different people saying Ed Balls. That was very funny. This is why I don't follow Judge Coscombe on Twitter. I think it's a legal requirement to follow him, just like it's a legal requirement to send your books to the libraries of record. You all have to follow Judge <laughs> Coscombe. Well, then you can lock me up. <laughs> you will. So Laurie yesterday had a craving for a cream tea. Yes. What does that mean? 
well, it means that she's responsible. She no, probably, no, no, she... she probably saw a 16-year-old boy who just looked quite lithe and she had a moment and then her responsibility genes kicked in. Oh, I see. Hmm. So there you go. Sense, then. You see, and I'm not being sexist there because I'm al- I am allowing ladies to be pedos as well. That's very sweet of you. <laughs> I'm, I'm equal opportunities. <laughs> That's right. But it is true. I mean, you do you do sometimes actually not not too not too infrequently actually. You hear of these kind of middle aged teachers that's lady teachers that suddenly go crazy and start having affairs with their fourteen and fifteen year old uh, pu- male pupils. It's, it's an odd situation. Well, I remember on the greatest TV show ever made. Uh-huh. Um, high. Oh, I've forgotten what it was called. Heartbreak High, of course. Heartbreak High, the Australian Heidi, Heidi High. Heartbreak High, the Australian teenage drama. Heidi High. Um, which I adored, even mm-hmm. though I was far too old for it. Um, the first season had um, the naughty rebel boy with the long hair mm-hmm. and Sam, the sexy, sexy teacher. They totally mm-hmm. got together and had a whole student-teacher affair. Yeah, but that's considered acceptable when it's a young boy. And then, exactly, and then the, the finale of this storyline... Was mm-hmm. the two of them riding off on a motorbike together into the sunset? That's fine. Happily ever after. Now here's here is the question I'm going to ask you, and you have to be honest. Okay. Your liberal brain yes says that it's equally unfine, right? Than if it were a young girl and an old man. Mm-hmm. But your heart doesn't really agree with that. Well, okay. Um, because of having done so many years of youth work, I have a much stronger negative reaction when it's the other way around than I think most people do when it's a young guy, when it's a teenage guy and an adult woman, Mm. um, because I'm much more conscious of how abusive that situation is. Uh, And in a Um, weird way, it, it can sometimes even be more abusive because if, if the guy wants, is troubled by it, he, society isn't as ready to accept oh, yeah. Yeah, well, his it, trouble. Okay. They will they will they will they will laugh at him and tell him that he's been lucky. So in it's a like, weird get way on you, he, he gets doubly abused. So so yeah, so unfortunately the youth work term takes away that so it gives my heart some sort of uh, slightly more rational response to it all. No, um, fair enough, good. But I think there is guess. truth in that I don't know, maybe but maybe it's just a boy thing because you are when a I bit was sexist, a teenage though. boy. Yeah. There were certainly some older ladies I wouldn't have mind kissing. Yeah, but you again, you know, you're genuinely being sexist there. Do you really think that there are some older gentlemen whom younger girls wouldn't No, no, like no, no, that's old, not what I was saying. The, the gym was, teacher was, or Mr. Whoever, the English teacher. I was saying quite the reverse. I was saying maybe my bias in, ter- in terms of, it, yes, instinctively, I do think when it's a girl, it's, it seems in, more insidious, more, more, more wrong. Um, but maybe that's because, from my perspective, copping off with an older lady when I was a teenager seemed like a good thing. So I don't know. Maybe for women, it's the other way around. I've no idea. Oh, well, I, w- I would hope so because otherwise, then we are just indeed, inherently sexist. And indeed, for our homosexual ladies and gentlemen friends, they yeah. are allowed to want to cop off with teachers of the same gender or sex. Yes, indeed. I give them permission. Was that just Dexter who started whining? It was. It's Dexter whinging in the background. Well, talk, talk, talking about uh, whinging cats and sexuality, you say that he's got a little girlfriend, even though he's neuter. This is true. I saw them t- playing together. When I say playing, I mean fighting this afternoon. Well, that's what cats mean by fighting. Exactly. So yeah. He's a beautiful grey cat. If he's a boy, then I'm very, he's he's, he's very, very beautiful boy. Um, <laughs> well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't allow um, Dexter to be a homo. 
No, gosh, gosh, no, I'd kill him yeah. instantly. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, this cat, it's, it's beautiful. It has an amazing mane. It's Sounds really... like he's really outside Dexter's league. That's what you'd think. It really, I mean, you look at it and it's like proper, it probably is actually, you know, what's the term for cats? Thoroughbred for cats, I forget. Yes. But one of them. Uh, he's an unmoggy. Whereas Dexter is just a mog. Yes. Just a classic yes. mog. Yes. Um, and the two of them were kind of Racist. Like, he, I, actually, the reason I noticed the grey cat today was because I heard Dexter eating his food and went to say hello and it wasn't Dexter. So this naughty cat was nobbing on his nummies. So, and then the two of them were kind of half-heartedly fighting in the garden but actually not seeming to really mind each other being there. Yeah, well, Finch has got a new little friend who comes, up to, the, who, who sort of comes up to the door to say hello to her and actually calls for her, which is unusual. I mean, Finch, again, has been done, so I'm not quite sure what he gets out of the experience because cats really don't like one another. But they no. have these... Uh, and in, in reality, what it is is they've got this very weird, conflicted relationship because in, to a degree we've kept them in kittenhood where they have a certain part of their brain which overrides their territorial, solitary nastiness. Because it needs to, because, you know, kittens can't afford to kill one another because yeah. then there'll be no more species. And a bit of that part of their brain remains in the domestic cat. So one minute they, they're, they're kind of saying, hmm, I should really be killing you, but actually it's quite fun having you in the garden. <laughs> oh, but, but I should be killing you as well, so why don't we have fun and I'll kill you? <laughs> in the same way that you're both their pathetic kitten who doesn't know how to hunt and you're their mummy. Yes, that's right. And that's why they bring you, quote, presents that mm-hmm. aren't quite properly dead yet because they're, they're hoping that you'll eventually learn to give it the final swat and then they can stop, um, they can stop teaching you. Um, and that's why the very worst thing apparently to do is just to go crazy and take the thing outside and say they've done badly because they think, oh my God, my, my kitten's a retard. It doesn't know <laughs> what to do. Uh, and it just freaks out whenever I bring perfectly good material to be hunted. Um, so apparently the thing to do is to kind of praise them, thank them and sort of gently take it away as if you're about to devour it and then put it out of its misery. And then, well, they, then they might stop bringing you these presents to try and treat, teach you how to be a, a hunter. Because I mean, see, to be my, fair, my... I mean, Dex has never seen you hunt anything properly, has he? No, this is true. No. Fortunately, Finch was brought up by a Bichon Frise uh, dog and indeed was breastfed by one. Because, yes, because Finch's mother rejected her and all her kittens, or other kittens as well. So in the house, the grandmother, the the grandmother cat, and the Bichon Frise puppy took turns to to look after each kitten. uh, And indeed, the kittens um, got milk from the Bichon Frise. But the, the, the concomitant effect of that is that nobody ever taught Finch how to hunt. So she she has never, ever been able to hunt or kill anything, which is quite good for me, really. Oh, right. Well, hang on. Dexter, we took Dexter when he was 12 weeks old and was still living indoors, hadn't been outdoors yet. So hmm. did they just get taught to hunt in, through play in the, in the I guess so. I guess so, to, to a large degree. I mean, certainly Finch is, is clueless. And, I mean, she, she could just be a retard, but... Um, her, her, her utter cluelessness uh, and the fact that she's never brought anything in. I think once a moth sort of landed in her mouth almost and she <laughs> managed to do something about that, but that's about it. Yeah. Has Dexter ever brought you presents? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been, since we moved house, it's been a lot less common. In the old house, you would do it quite often and I'm afraid I would just react angrily because it meant I had to go through the trauma of killing mm. a bird or a mouse or whatever. I remember having to the only way I could do it in the I couldn't I can't do it by hand. So the only way I could do it in the end was I'd, I'd put a shovel blade to their neck and just push down on the shovel. 
yeah, and clean that, take their head off in one clean chop, which is exactly the best way to kill them. But still, and down there, stood in the garden, solemnly beheading sparrows. And he was thinking, what the hell? He's making such a meal of it. Come on, just <laughs> bite it, bite its neck off and eat, enjoy it. <laughs> and the other thing is, Dexter would tend to just bring back like chicks out of nests and really awful, mm. dreadful, lazy things like that. No, that, that really is no, not good enough, is it? This is the cat I saw lose a battle with a woodlouse. Oh, do you know what? Uh, I've just seen on one, one on a news site. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of Syrians standing next to a bombed house, uh, holding up a big banner saying, "Boston bombings represent a sorrowful scene of what happens every day in Syria. Do accept our condolences." The Syrian Revolutionary Congress. Wow. Hmm. Well, we're not going to intervene because you lot said you didn't want us to intervene. So tough. You'll have to just end up being killed. <laughs> that's so sweet of you. Well, no, that's the case, though, isn't it? Um, stop the war. Doesn't want us to go anywhere near there, so we shan't. They're breaking news on, on, on my screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, my nephew, Will, got a perfect report. Top marks in every subject. Excellent. And is he a suspect in any bombing uh, campaign? Uh, he, no, so far as I'm aware, he's never been caught. He's not been called... Uh, good, is he good enough at French now? He's uh, perfectly fluent in French, yes. Wouldn't that be lovely to be able oh, to have been fluent like that from birth? And he's, uh, he's, he's such a little nerd. He goes to chess club. Oh, six, six years old. I, I've often spoken to people who are fully bilingual. And mm-hmm. I, the que- question I always ask them is, in what language do you think? And they can never give an immediate or straight answer. It's where they always go, hmm, um, uh, I don't know, uh, both, neither. Um, um, I guess, why, why do you keep typing? I'm trying to find out some key information about William. Well, don't. For I'm the podcast. It's that, for really. the podcast. Not really. Nobody cares about William, really. That's so mean. He's, he's way better than Judith. <laughs> yeah, but he's, he's got three years on <laughs> In three years' time, Judith will be the youngest prime minister. Is that right? Yes. I can only see her being a, some sort of sequel to Thatcher. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I just I'm just terrified of her being an only child, Nick. I think you're just going to have to adopt or something. Well, we could do that, I suppose, at some stage. Um, but the the issue is, though, they are quite expensive when you have more than one to do this things like you... take take them on holiday and all that kind of thing. You just use all the stuff you used last time on the next one, so that mm. saves a lot of money. And you suppose you could leave one at home. And the second one, the first one, is always providing new stuff for the second one by sh- as it sheds it. Because it well, prob- skins and stuff. Well, I mean, it's not tempting to have another one yet, because the problem is Judith is perfectly well toilet-trained now with regard to wee-wees, and she goes to the toilet fine. She says she, she tells us when she needs to make a tinkle and so on, doesn't wet herself at night. However... Still, she's still doing poos on the floor? She Not on the floor, but she's, she's told us that poos are too brown for the toilet. And they <laughs> well, are. that's a very good point. Uh, and that, that seems to be a non-negotiable stumbling block. <laughs> She told us that, so what do you do about that? <laughs> I think you have to get a different coloured toilet. Well, we told her that the nappy fairy would get her a lovely present when she made a poo in the toilet, but she's kind of she kind of ignores that and self-consciously changes the subject. So if wow. any if any Ramdu is listening have any ideas on how to persuade a toddler that poo is not too brown for the toilet, do let us know. <laughs> Is it, I, I assume what, this is just classic Freudian poo shame. It is. It is. I think it's. I think it is. Yes. And it's just. It just becomes such a. It, it is a sticking point. In as much as she she refuses, she won't discuss it. 
Uh, she'll change the subject. It's just not up for negotiation. So she's yeah. going to grow up to become a fecal fetishist. Fetishist. Well, I mean, the thing is, we also we don't want to make it a big deal because that just makes it worse. So if, yes. you, if we started shouting and making a big fuss about it, then that's even worse. But because we don't have any of that sort of leverage, it means that effectively it's just at a kind of smelly stalemate. So you know, as I said, anybody has any tips, do let us know. How old is she now? Just she, she she's three and a bit. So three and she, a bit. Yeah, she really ought to be pooing in the toilet by now. Yes. So she's she's obviously clearly in in some ways um, quite severely uh, backward. Yeah, she is. Yeah, that's a shame. It is a shame. I mean, you you can't have them aborted at this age. It's tr- it's very tricky at the third in the third year. <laughs> the third. postnatal abortions. They 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 they, they do be, they're, they're a very tricky procedure. Yes, yeah. true. They're only very specialised places you can get them done. That's true. Okay, so I need to tell you this. This is an amazing story that tells you the difference between my nephew and my niece. So William is six, Sarah is four. Okay. Um, They're walking to school the other day, and William Mm -hmm. turns to his daddy and says, Daddy, Mm -hmm. if three plus seven is Mm ten, then thirty plus seventy must be a hundred. Yes. And daddy says, well done, William. And Sarah says, and also, daddy, brown chickens snore and they smell as well. I think I prefer her her attitude to life. It's true. Yes. I like that it's brown chickens that snore. Well, maybe she's just racist. Could be. And they're her, smelly. They're, did she her, say that all brown people are smelly or something? <laughs> brown chickens are smelly. Mm, I think when she says chickens, she's using the, the slang to mean well, ladies. Well, she is grew up in France. You know what they're like. Yeah, I, well, I was in Nuremberg the other day. Yes, I was going to ask you how the trial went. It, it, um, I took the train there and I flew back. Um, and you flew. I, I flew back to London. That's very City. brave of you. Well, I know I flew to London City Airport, and there was a. It, it, it was very very windy the, uh, the other day. I mean, Judge Cox going again because you have to be subscribed to him. Even remarked that morning that it was windy, and we landed London City Airport, which is a tiny little runway in a tiny little jet plane, and it was rocking and bumping, and it was such a hard landing there that all the ladies started screaming, <laughs> and you. Sat there, bravely, stoic-faced. Of course. Yes. You weren't shrieking and announcing to everyone all the different ways the plane could break up so you're all going to die. No, but it it is is slightly disconcerting because the the RJ87, its wings and its engines, uh, its wings are above the fuselage rather than the middle or below it. So when you sit at the window, you see the wing and the big engine suspended by the window. So you can't actually see anything out the window. So you can just feel all the shuddering and rocking, but you can't see anything for uh, for visual acuity. So that it, it's a little bit odd to be at that position. Um, Your mistake is to have educated yourself so such a great depth about planes. Whereas I, I come from the position of believing that planes fly by magic. Yes. And therefore have no fears about their, their ability to take off and land and stay and, and, in between. And actually, and actually you're correct. Uh, in as much as planes do fly by magic, by which we mean technology, it's fine. But it's when the bloody pilots have still have anything to do with it that I worry. Because we're, we're very flawed individuals, despite what Jesus told you. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus told you that we're all perfect and have no Jesus flaws. Jesus is always spreading rumours about pilots. No, Jesus is telling us that you're all perfect and have no flaws. I don't think that's... I'm fairly certain that's the opposite of what the Bible says. Oh, right. Well, there you are. You've muddled it up again. Doe. Oh, um, talking about Doe. Is The Simpsons still going? Oh, apparently Surely so. not. Really? Season 250 million. When is the last time anybody saw an episode? Let's be honest. 
Oh, it's they. The, Eighteen forty-seven, surely. You three, you see three seconds of it when you angrily change channel from channel four when it's on every ten seconds. No, but that's just the, the those are just episodes from the Victorian era. That's when right. last? Uh, uh, do you think anybody in the universe has actually seen one of the new broadcast episodes that are coming out now? I'm going to find out the ratings for for it. Oh, then. I'm typing very quietly. Hmm. But oh. it, 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 I can't think of anybody who would watch it. It does. It's extraordinary to think that it's still on. And it's do you on know, season season twenty four? Do you know anybody who actively still watches the new seasons? No. Who says, "Oh, there's a new season of The Simpsons on"? Gosh, it doesn't seem to be on very often. Hmm. It's on March seventeenth, and there's no new episode until April fourteenth, and then the Quanto IMDb. Oh, oh, we know. It's just they've got a gap in their thing. Mm. But yeah, they had a month off apparently. I'm not surprised if I just didn't bother turning up for work and nobody noticed. Do they list ratings on IMDb? I don't know. No, they don't. So you've just you've just wasted all our time. Oh, what a stupid, stupid idiot I am! Seth MacFarlane did something good the other day. What was that? Oh, he he foretold the uh, the Boston Marathon bombing. Did he? There's an episode of Family Guy from a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago. Which has um, Peter? Uh, there's a cutaway joke which shows Peter r- winning the Lund- the Boston Marathon mm-hmm. by getting in a car and running everyone over. Oh, and it's good a scene then. of his just mowing down people until he crosses the finish line. And then he's interviewed on the news, and they ask, "How did you do it?" And he says, "Well, I got in my car and drove, and every time someone got in my way, I killed them." At the was it specifically then, the Boston Marathon? It was the Boston Marathon because because it's based in in, in uh, near Boston. Oh, um, and then later, but the whole the whole episode was about Peter accidentally joining a fundamentalist Islamist group, um, and getting involved in a plot to blow up the Car- the Quahog Bridge. <laughs> um, and so someone has cut together these two bits: the the marathon reference, and then his because at the end of the episode he does blow up the bridge by mistake because he uses his mobile phone to make a call, and accidentally sets the bombs off. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And so someone's edited these two bits together and said that it shows that as a fact, this is proof that the it was an it was an initiation for the bombings. <laughs> oh, I've, I've just seen another article. Seth MacFarlane's Family Guy pulls episode featuring Boston Marathon, and and Family Guy creator Seth MacFarlane said it is abhorrent to suggest that the show predicted or influenced Monday's tragic bombings. Well, yes, it is. It's quite abhorrent to say that it's, Seth, it's enormously Seth MacFarlane's fault for. Uh, allowing a religious Chechen to blow up. <laughs> Can you imagine if it did turn up, if the guy said, if, if one of these Chechens said, you know, I was looking for a way to uh, have an atrocity and I watched this cartoon and you know what? I thought this is very interesting. I can't find, there's so many, so many clips on YouTube of it now. Uh, mm. I can't, I can't find the, um, the original clip, but the the guy in the description explains that, um, that they had taken Iraq war veterans who'd lost limbs, mm-hmm. had them wear fake legs, and their fake legs were blown off so they could claim that they were people, ampu- ampu- people who had their legs blown off during the Boston bombings. Right. And I felt a sort of cold horror for humanity as I read that. Well, you know, it's just humanity. I'll give you something that'll make you feel an even colder horror for humanity. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Fox cancels the Cleveland show. Oh, who could ever have thought it? There you are. Anyway, so tell me, what was the... Oh, it's Alex Jones, by the way, is, of course, the person promoting this idea that Family Guy was predicting the Boston Marathon. Right. 
ridiculous. He went from, I remember when I read Them by uh, John Watson, which is an amazing book and everyone should read. Um, uh, Alex Jones was this kind of local radio weirdo who Watson teamed up with and he was a bit of a novelty conspiracy theorist and a very unpleasant and odd man. Now he's got a show which has like 20 million listeners across America. He's syndicated across a number of radio stations and he's an incredibly loud and powerful voice. Mm, how did that happen? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of scary, but it's. I guess it's part. If you, when you're such a polar country as America, and when you go to such extremes, mm. then you know when Fox T, when you when you get to the extreme where you think, ah, oh, Fox TV, Fox News is a bunch of liberal nonsense. You need someone like Alex Jones to back up your fervent hate. Yes. So what did Seth MacFarlane do that was good recently? I can't remember. I'm going to have <laughs> to look it up at some stage. But I'll, I'll tell you. I was discussing. Uh, you had a thing to say about him. I did, but I don't now. Oh, I was wow. dis- I was discussing uh, something uh, a very simple way of deciding whether a country is civilized or not. Uh, uh, three very simple rules, uh, and they'll work perfectly well. Firstly, does the has the country abolished or does it abjure the death penalty? Mm-hmm, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yep. Second, does the country allow equal marriage? Mm-hmm. And thirdly, does the country have no law that uh, limits a woman's rights in comparison with a man's? And, okay. And and if the if the answer to those three questions is yes, and I think you can probably say the country is civilized. Okay. Which Are there means any, civil- any civilized countries at all? I think New Zealand is. Uh, Norway. New Zealand became civilized yesterday, I believe. No, it was a couple of, a couple of days ago, and what a wonderful video it was. Hmm. That yes. clip. If people haven't seen it, the moment when uh, they in that they pass the they pass the uh, gay marriage law, and the place just bursts into song. It's absolutely wonderful. Well, Britain will become civilized, assuming that this uh, the gay marriage bill ever goes through the comes through the law unscathed. So, wouldn't it be nice if this country will be civilized? That's true. What is the gay, what are the gay marriage laws in in Scandinavia? Oh, I'd, imar- I'd imagine it's pretty much compulsory. Yeah, I would have thought so. If we just think about it, John, if we were in Sweden now, we would have to get married. But that's what I've always wanted, Nick. I know, I know. But then Laura would have to get married to a girl. She could marry Victoria. We could live in some sort of farce of our original lives. Well, it won't be a farce. It'll be some lovely. Um, it'll be honest, scas- it- it'll, it'll be a Scandinavian. Um, a lovely sort of sort of Scandinavian wooden house with a sauna and a punch pool. We'd all nice. run around with our willies and boobies hanging out all the time. Yes, yes with uh, shall we do it? Yes. Yeah, excellent. Woo-hoo! I think that's probably the end of this rather tawdry, moribund episode. It's been rather casual. I feel it has been casual, but I think that's okay. Occasionally, you just need to chillax. <laughs> now you must murder yourself. <laughs> 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 Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.